Jen Zamparelli on 2FM with Leia Healthcare. Always a beat ahead. Visit LeiaHealthcare.ie. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Do you remember your mother shouting at you, don't go out with your wet hair, yeah. you'll catch your death, or, you know, stop cracking your fingers, you know, you'll give yourself arthritis. It might have been annoying, but my question today is to ask, is there truth in some of these common mm-hmm. phrases, or are they all just medical myths? So, obviously, as you can hear, joining me now to separate this fact from fiction is our resident ICU nurse, Sarah Kearns. Sarah, thank you for coming in today. Thanks, no problem. Um, Let's start with the old classic that never seems to be resolved. (laughs) Can you catch a cold from being out in the cold? No, no. But like some of these myths, like there's sort of, there's truth in a lot of them, right? But this one, like no. So a cold, like like a cold, common cold is a virus. So it's not caused by being outside. But what, what, the only truth in it is that if you are, just say you go out for a long period of time, maybe and you haven't got enough clothes on and you're going for a hike, whatever, you can be exposed to and your body can go into a much colder temperature than it wants to be. It drops your immune system so you're more susceptible then to, you know what I mean? So that's a bit of truth, but no. So when they say, oh, put on a scarf, your neck is exposed, you'll catch a cold. Or, yeah, or do you remember that with crop tops? Remember when we were, you know, yeah, you know, when they don't clover your back, you'll get a kidney, chill in your kidneys. Like that, none of that is actually true. Oh but my God. I think I, I feel like as a parent, I'll probably be banging that one out. Yeah, <laughs> like I've, I've said a million times, put a scarf on them or yeah. you'll get a cold. But that's all bullshit. If your body gets, you know, it can affect your immune system and then you're more susceptible but it's a virus that causes them or like a kidney infection is caused by typically a bacterial infection. You know what I mean? Okay. So, so no, there's no truth but still you should dress appropriately and keep your body, like your body needs to be at the right temperature in order to function properly so when it's too low or too high you're not functioning. However, you saw that all that with the ice baths that people are going mad for the recovery and everything. So it's like dropping their temperature for the recovery of their muscles. Oh. Yeah. So it can be good. Okay, okay. Well, let's just stay in the cold and flu department yeah. then because <laughs> another one um, is is going out with wet hair really bad for you. Like, it's, say it's a cold day outside in particular, that old adage of, oh, your hair is wet, you're going to be very sick now. You know what? No, it's not going to, it's not going to cause you sickness, but it's definitely going to cause you um, discomfort. I'm actually, I remember I used to swim competitively when I was younger and I remember going to sleep with wet hair and what it can cause, it's not ideal to sleep with wet hair because it's it's uncomfortable you're super you'd be hyper aware of it like have you ever gone to bed with wet hair yes I have yeah and like it's so uncomfortable yeah it's very uncomfortable and it's um you then you might get yourself in a a funny position and get a you know get a kind of spasm in your neck muscles I remember that happened when I was young but like it's not going to cause you any but it's just super uncomfortable now here's the um, gross bit about that. So when you think about uh, a moist environment, you can actually it, it increase the in, introduction of bacteria to the area. Like you're at higher risk of like fungal um, scalp infections and stuff what if you, you have a wet hair. A fungal scalp infection? I know, like that's it. Yeah, from wet hair or like bacteria gets into your scalp and because it's wet for a prolonged period of time, it's warm. So you can't, like there is, and it's also crap for your hair because your hair is at its most vulnerable when it's wet. So, so what, what you get everything. a scabby scalp? Yeah, you could. Yeah, you're higher risk. Of, okay. You need to dry it because like any infections, like infections across the board need like a, a warm, moist environment. So like if you, like you're kind of hiring your risk if you, if you, for a sleep period, which is like whatever, eight to ten hours, 
Well, not Jesus. us with small kids. Oh my God, I was like, who's getting eight <laughs> to ten hours? I had a one and five a.m. wake up this morning. Um, but yeah, um, the dream. But if you imagine if you have wet hair, like it's too long, so you are actually exposing your risk. Okay, that. so you won't get sick, but you get scabby scalp. Yeah, because imagine, like, if imagine if you scratch, um, if you scratch your scalp, okay, and you've bacteria under your, na- your nails in your sleep whatever and it just stays you know what I mean you're at a higher risk of getting all those infections but it definitely isn't a good idea it's uncomfortable you're at a risk of sleeping in an odd position because you're going to hurt your neck and potentially you could put your neck into a spasm I got a thing called torticol I remember just remember that from I think it was 12 and when I went to bed so I actually religiously dry my hair now I'm Would really you get, could you get hypothermia? No you won't but well if it was super cold yeah like you could you could definitely increase your risk of getting super cold Okay Jesus. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I'm going to move hair. on to food because I love food. Yes. In particular, cheese. Because I eat <laughs> a lot of cheese. I'm a big cheese fan. I Me don't, too. you know, need a special reason. I love just a little slice of cheese. Just a little slice. And I do have cheese before bed frequently. I love it. Um, oh. And I honestly, Sarah, would have very vivid dreams regularly. Is it a coincidence or is it the cheese? So this is a really mixed. So this has been ongoing. I think there was like a study in the 60s over this. Okay. And they were saying like, like, could cheese cause nightmares? Do you remember that? And like when we were small, they would have said that. Typically, the there's no actual evidence to back it up. Right. But they okay. would say, so what probably is causing your vivid dreams that you've eaten too close to bedtime and you're not getting into the proper realm of sleeps and like everything in your sort of your mind is going mad and you're having these vivid dreams. So there's no evidence to say it causes nightmares. But then there has been studies, people researching, you know, would different food groups cause different types of dreams, whether they were high activity dreams or, do you know, sometimes you have dreams that you're being chased or, you know, other dreams that you're whatever on a boat or whatever. So what caused them? So they are always doing studies to see what drives those. Obviously, our dreams are us processing our thoughts throughout the day. That's just our, you know, but they do see that. But actually, when it comes to the vivid dreams, it's just because you've eaten just before bed. So probably. eating close to bed will make your brain. Yeah, but it's carbohydrate. So your brain, if you think about crackers on cheese, so you have a tiny bit of carbohydrate in the crackers and the cheese. And what drives your brain to work is carbohydrate. That's, you know, like when people do like keto diet or whatever, they don't have any carbs. So they get the brain fog, you know, the, it's really bad. That's what's driving that. So you need carbs for your brain. Wow. You know, for like our little kids, carbs are like super important. So that sort of giving your kids toast is like, is, is so, so important and not letting, because like I know that my littlest is just all he can think about is eggs and, well, yogurt. So there's a bit of carbs and yogurt, but eggs, he just wants to eat eggs all day. He honestly eats three egg omelets. He's upset. He cracks eggs into cold frying pans in the hope they'll just cook miraculously. <laughs> like, he is egg obsessed but he needs the carbs so like we have to super encourage him to have carbs so if he doesn't get brain fog so yeah it's just it's what feeds your brain with the energy so it's It's really important so if you eat before bed your entire digestive system is alerted it's alive it's in the process of digesting and then also your brain is more active so it's not necessarily the cheese cheese. it's the eating yeah it's the eating okay and I've also always been told and I think everybody was told this at some point in their life that cracking your fingers will lead to early onset arthritis so that's not true, but it is. So it actually, if you were cracking your knuckles, I'd be absolutely like, it makes me feel so sick even listening to it. What it is, is popping <laughs> bubbles in the synovial fluid, basically in the fluid in your joints. So when they're doing it, it's not your bones cracking against each other. It's popping these bubbles. So 
Why you are the can. bubbles there? Well, it's just that by movement of the joints, these little bubbles can form and then people cracking them. And if people are moving their, their joints more than other people that aren't cracking, they create these bubbles. It's like shaking a bottle of water and the bubbles form. So same concept. And when the bubbles burst that's what's causing the crack but it doesn't cause arthritis but it definitely isn't a great idea you can actually get quite stiff um, joints potentially it's not like even by the sound of it the look of it the reaction of people around you know it's not good that's a good rule for life it, okay. it makes people go green listening to you so it's not necessarily arthritis you're going to get but it could make your hands stiff yeah could yeah could cause issues I, it, like even what the noise like no it just is not a good idea so you need the old bubbles and the knuckles yeah you need the fluid just being simple and you know just doing its thing in is your knuckles without same, disturbing it it's not the same as if you're getting you know if you have a knot in your back and it bursts and you feel the pop Do you, is that's, that the same well, as your knuckles it's a, that's a muscle that has um, basically is a knot in your muscle and that is well it's the same that you smooth it out and your muscle is smooth again oh, that's okay. really satisfying oh, but definitely so it is so good not to to get out of that habit like okay. you need to you okay. definitely need to boot that habit okay no cheese no cracking <laughs> knuckles yeah, no, yeah. Um, and I would Absolutely. personally uh, are you a knuckle cracker? I can be I know I know I crack everything though Do you love it? Like in particular I love cracking my hips Your hips? My hips I love a hip crack Is that bad? How did that go with the dancing? Were you cracking non-stop then? Yeah Oh, Actually Less cracking while I was dancing Interesting Maybe because I was more mobile Yeah I find if I'm not stretching loads or if I'm not doing a lot of movement I need to crack my hips that's interesting burst those bubbles that's to interesting just uh, I feel I get like locked you're a chiropractor's dream am I? yeah <laughs> um, listen I'd never go for a swim after I've eaten because just because I was probably once told as a child yeah. so it was a bad idea is that a myth or a real thing? do you know what it is? It you know what? it is a real thing it's not they, they've never actually linked okay if you get what causes drowning as such but like you can so swimmers would never eat a massive meal and head off into the pool but they'd eat regularly so again for your body to function you need food and you, mm. need, you know carbs and all that sort of stuff so you your body functions so you need to eat but you wouldn't like tuck into a massive roast dinner before you got into the pool you could get a stitch a cramp in your tummy or in your body that can cause you difficulty swimming and actually could lead to you drowning so there is some truth in that so it wouldn't be a good idea but like having a snack of you know apples or cheese and crack all of that is totally fine but it's not the roast dinner so if you were eating a meal Say you're on your holidays and you have a lunch, a big lunch. How long should you wait before you get like into the Like an water? hour anyway. Like, but what, yeah, like an hour. Just so you don't get a stitch. You're not okay. going to put yourself in. But like this, I mean, I'm saying an hour, but like there's no absolute definitive evidence just behind that. Just to be safe. But just to be safe. Just let your body digest it. Let it get into your tummy and start moving its way out of your tummy. Just let the food settle before you go out, for sure. And also that you're going to get tired. Like, unless you'd be much better off waiting and then just kind of focusing. If you, Particularly if you're going to go in and do lengths of a swimming pool or something, definitely wait an hour or just have a smaller meal before you go. Because your body needs the food to do its thing. Yeah, swimming, but, but it yeah, just needs it not to be sitting I'd be there. Conscious of it, I wouldn't let my kids. Even though it's not like there's not like definitive clinical evidence, I definitely wouldn't let my kids eat lunch and get straight in, just in case they got a cramp and it distracted them and it caused them difficulty. In so the it's water. kind of inadvertently. Yeah. Is yeah. Yeah. Okay. Totally. And now this one, I'm asking for a friend. Okay. What about sitting on a radiator or like a cold wall? Would that bring on an old dose of the piles? Oh my god! Uh, that uh, do you remember that sitting on a cold floor? Do you remember being told that? So the answer is no. Piles are caused for lots of different things, but mainly 
constipation. What can happen if if you sit on a warm radiator. So what they are, they're engorged veins either on the outside or the inside of your rectum and further up, right? Why and is the word engorged? I know, so I actually, between that and moist, actually we've had a yeah. tough morning. But um, they what happens is if you sit on a, a warm radiator, you can expand the blood vessels and it can make them uh, more uncomfortable and itchy and all that. So it's just uncomfortable. So I definitely... the happiness that I know, brings? I know, it is good. Between that and sitting on washing machines and that. <laughs> Excuse me. That is far too much of an insight into your life, that's Sarah. <laughs> Apparently that's the thing. So it, it, the heat of the radiator would yeah. make the blood vessels expand. Band and actually, yeah, and then you'd, yeah, it could not give you piles. You'd have to nearly... You'd have to already have had piles, but it could make them a little bit more uncomfortable. Okay. Yeah. I was also told once that putting a bit of toothpaste on a spot would get, say if you had nothing else to reach for as a teenager. In the 90s, do you remember that? A little bit of toothpaste on spot there. So it's not, definitely not a good idea. And dermatologists would be like, absolutely no way. Why is it not a good idea? Because there's, well, there's no clinical reason that it should help. The only reason that it could potentially help is that you, um, Stop picking. Yeah, basically, yeah, you stop touching it, which is a major part of it. Because every time, if you have a spot and you touch it, you're introducing bacteria, you're mm. making it worse. And also, like, when the scab is formed on a spot and you are touching it or whatever, you're, you're, you're irritating the scab and you're getting, and the, the body's working super hard to scab that over and start healing it. And then you're irritating it, you're introducing more bacteria and you're getting rid of the scab. So you're just back to square one every time. So actually p- covering it can help. But like, the other thing with toothpaste, it potentially has been rubbing on a toothbrush, which is like bacteria plus, plus, plus. Oh, yeah. And then you're putting that on a spot like it really isn't yeah. a good idea. Like dermatologists would be like, absolutely not. I used to think the mint toothpaste was, was really it? good. For it was because of the spots. sting. You're like, this has to be working. <laughs> it can definitely dry them out um, in some certain. Se- but actually, I just wouldn't. No, no just don't do it. Just don't do it. And that, speaking of rubbing household items on things, <laughs> once or twice, I might have rubbed an onion on an insect bite. Okay, because my mother-in-law told me to. Um, It did bring a little bit of relief or was that my head? No, it did. And that's one of the definitely people that are um, into kind of there is again it's it's the milky you know when the juice of an onion is sort of milky and actually that can really help particularly with mosquito bites right and it can help with the inflammation there's definitely healing properties in it same with apple cider vinegar um so definitely but it will stop will no won't stop it it'll reduce the irritation okay. and the inflammation potentially but i would definitely have a backup method you know what is absolutely brilliant for like wasp stings or a you know, stings. oh you remember that with the nettle stings it's ice cubes so I always have ice cubes so during the summer if the kids get stung with wasps or bees that you take it's actually just putting an ice cube straight on it helps with the inflammation stops the pain and distracts them it is brilliant to have ice cubes in the, particularly the summer months when wasps are oh. rampant in the garden and really just good. to numb it I yeah suppose. just to numb it it helps with the pain it stops the inflammation you know what I mean and then the water coming off the um the bee, you know, from the water coming off the ice cube, then what help wash away the, the venom? Next one, and this might cause a bit of concern for pregnant listeners. Is there any truth that an expectant mother is more likely to have a longer labour if it's a boy? Absolutely no truth in that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
there is nothing well, okay so what causes longer labours lots of different things cause longer labours like big babies potentially but some people it, it's Unlucky. a fascinating thing they really don't know what brings on labours some people have quick super quick labours some people have this thing called precipitous labours it's like from pain to baby in arms less than three hours called a precipitous labour some people have that just naturally I have a friend who the babies come shooting out of her. it just it just is the way her body labours right and um, so she has to be admitted into a hospital yeah for the induction because it it all happens so quick um, so some people just have uh, uh, quicker labours than other people and is and it the, true that whatever way your mother laboured there is there would be something in that absolutely and a lot of it is movement like how physically active you are. So if oh, you imagine okay. the baby needs, the head needs to come right down and onto your cervix to get things going, movement can be a massive, massive part of that. It's so, so important in labour to keep that body going. And you see the women in maternity hospitals up and down the stairs. Yeah. Up and, and that movement of lifting the legs and up and down the stairs gives your body moving, but helps the baby to work its way down into the pelvis. Or on the bouncy balls. On the bouncing balls. because bouncy yeah. balls. Um, I think everybody has heard this now. Beans, beans, good for the heart. The more you eat, you, they're a superfood. The more you fart. <laughs> so two questions here. Are they good for the heart? And do they make you fart? The beans are super now, they they have a soul content, okay, in them for sure. But beans are so underrated. They're absolutely class. They have protein in them. They're so high in fiber, hence the farting. Um and they're just so good. Like beans on toast is a super brekkie to have. It's like, yeah. And I love beans. I I'm love a big beans. Fan I of love beans. beans slow cooked. So you reduce them down on toast, butter. Yum. They're really, really good for you. Yeah, they but are really good. The smell and zip home afterwards. Yeah, is it's, it's an intense experience yeah, it after. Really is. But you know what? On toast, really good. And they're slow. They're low GI as well. All beans are really good. You know, because they're all part of the same family with. Um, the black-eyed beans and all those beans—they're all—they're really good. So they're low GI, good for everything. Diabetes. Yes, you will fart, but you will yes. be healthy. Yes. Finally, last one—is chicken soup really a remedy for everything? Do you know what? It's because it, everyone likes the taste of it. It's like salty. It's warm. It's nutritious. It's Do you know what the ultimate thing? And across, like pretty much in the whole world, and we don't focus on it in Ireland, which is disappointing—is bone broths. The powerful healing of bone broths. Anyone into sort of alternative health or whatever. Postpartum, we should all be having bone. Like our body has been through so much after having babies. And in order to restore all the muscle. Where would you get bone broth? You you can make them super easily. Like there's there's brilliant Instagram um, people that like cover that like and really get like in in Asia like every across the world except for here there's a huge focus and but they're in all different they get a bone broth and have a different variation you know as you know what would help with making that a a thing if it had a different name yeah, I know. Yeah, 100%. It's just not a great name. Makes just it like sound like we're eating skeletons. Healing broth, 100%. It's not great. But you can make it easily yourself. You can get, and I swear, it, it is incredible for you. Okay, That's Sarah, what you should be having. Thanks a million for that. Um, I have learned a lot and I'm, I, I actually feel relieved. Oh, good. I do. I feel Ice relieved. Ice cubes for the um, wasps. Yeah, <laughs> and beans will be in my weekly shop. Um, I see you nurse Sarah Kern. Jen Zamparelli on 2FM with Leia Healthcare. Always a beat ahead. Visit leiahealthcare.ie. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always.